You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, listeners. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello, friends. Hello, countrymen. <laughs> what happened in... What was that, your inspirational speech? Your acceptance my, speech of my some presidential sort of... speech. <laughs> what um, happened between uh, last podcast and this one? Oh, I had a birthday. I turned 49. That's the most important On part. November 7th. But what happened after that? I don't remember. I was kind of a blur. <laughs> Are you talking about our changing of the guard here in the American uh, political world? Aye. Aye. We have a new president-elect. Reality star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Donald. Donald. Reality TV star, billionaire, representative of the little guy. <laughs> As the president. You, you may know him from The Apprentice. Oh my god. It's hilarious. And Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Yeah, he was on that a long time ago, like in the 80s. He also was uh, like something in WWE wrestling as well. He, he was, was in he? that for a little while, yeah. Mm. I don't know what he was exactly, it's but he was a good trajectory involved. to be it my is. commander-in-chief. <laughs> But hey, you know what? We will uh, hope for the best. He isn't the president yet, so... It's a president-elect, which means we have transitional period. You have to wait till January, and then you can see what he's going to do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We'll find out for now. He can already start assigning people to his cabinet. One of his promises was... He already assigned somebody to the EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, and the guy he assigned to head it, it does not believe climate change is real. Well, one of his promises was, that he said in his campaign, was within five minutes of becoming president, and I know he's not the president yet, so we'll have to wait till January for this, he will end terrorism. So I'm really looking forward to that. I know. That's the best, that's the best thing. I mean, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So, um, yeah, look forward to January, because it'll be like a movie, like a Michael Bay movie. I just don't think of terrorism the will be gone. my whole life, you know. I might live 80 years, let's say. That's a stretch, probably. But let's say let's say 70, just to be kind, uh, because of my poorly, badly mistreated body uh, through the course of my life. But um, let's say I live 70 years. I'm now 49, so we're, we're not, I don't have much time left. But I have, like, at least three presidents in me, right? He's just going to be one of them. And he's one of the ones that I, since I was born, we start with Lyndon Johnson, Nixon... Carter, Ford, uh, oh my God, I have to say, say them all now, like Bush and Bush and Clinton and Reagan, did I throw him out there already? And Obama. I mean, we've had, George had a Washington. Lot of, he was not president in my <laughs> lifetime, but thanks anyway. So, you know, in the scope of the big picture of everything, you have to think four years to eight years is a long time and it can change the course of history, not really because of the person but because of the attitude and then whatever direction that government in that time frame takes. Because you can make decisions that can impact the whole world, right? I mean, if you're a dictator who wants to, like, you know, rule North Korea, you have a country that you've shut off from the rest of the world. The world is impacted because we're humans and we don't True. get it and we want to help or we want to destroy you. or I mean, you're 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 not alone in the world, so... It's very possible that the best of anything could happen, or the, I don't know about the worst of anything, because we already have war, and we already have starvation, and we already have violence and stupidity. No president's going to solve it or make it worse. So, we'll just 
go along for the ride. And I said, I woke up this morning and surprise, surprise, my new president hasn't paid my fucking mortgage or taken care of my credit card bill. Or... He's not, you have to wait till January. Oh, right. So January 20th, <laughs> 21st of January, I wake up and all my problems are And no terrorism. Perfect. As, you know what? I, I can't argue with if that. If that happens, I, you know, you have to get a give you credit for that. <laughs> if that's what he's going to do and he doesn't like immigration, he's going to have a problem because everybody's going to want to come here. True. The man whose both wives are immigrants, his children are children of immigrants, his parents were immigrants. Now, let's not diss him too much because you never know. I'm not dissing him. I'm saying a person who has claimed to be anti-immigration... Has this whole entire family that is... He's only against the Mexicans. I think he's not really against it. And I think that the people who thought that and bought into that are going to be very disappointed. So we'll see. That's my prediction. Also. He won't let me down, but if you had big faith in him and then he does the shit that you don't want him to do... When Donald Trump becomes the president... This is the before the after the show discussion, by the way. Would you think... Uh, his industry, Trump Tower, Trump Golf Courses and all that, would be more successful because of him being the president? Would people want to go to those to support I would it? say. That's a boost. <laughs> Shouldn't really make money off... Why not? There's no laws about a president making money. There's no Do conflict they, they of interest. They get paid, don't they, like 10000 a year or something? Some small 100000 100, Yeah, well, that's not a small amount. You even said, he has said, on Howard, I assume, that he doesn't want to live in the White House. No, because it's not as good as It's a step down. Yeah. (laughs) It is an old house. I mean, let's be honest. He lives in, like, diamond-encrusted, like, skyscrapers, so why would he want to live in some white house? (laughs) He did build that hotel right up the street from the White House. Maybe maybe that's where he's going Maybe that's the plan. (laughs) I'll just camp out there for the next 48 (laughs) years, and we'll go visit the White House when I have to do those stupid little press conferences and things like that. But you know what? If there is nothing else you can say except it is unchartered territory. We do not know what's coming. And but that to is be stimulating. Fair, every president that gets put in, when Obama gets put in, it's all uncharted territory. Not really. No, not really. Cause from they anybody. Were, no, because they're all deep into the political party. They represent something. They have a trajectory that's very laid out. It's very clear to everybody around them what they're going to do, what decisions they're going to make. And then they pretty much do it. They don't live up to every campaign promise just because, I mean, you can't because you got to lie to everybody to get elected. So... You don't live up to those because, I mean, we're just the citizens. Why would you want to tell us the truth? But everybody knows that Obama's going to go a certain direction because he's Democrat and he's deep in the guts of the Democratic Party. Donald Trump just sort of tiptoed across to the Republican Party, sort of dipped his toes in, I think. And that's like, you know, even they don't know for sure now today, the people that have heard in interviews over the last year who are just hateful about him are like well now our president trump is going to be we're going to work together and da, da, da. And i'm like oh man it must be terrible to be a politician because you'd have whiplash all the freaking time your neck would be like oh i gotta change now Whoop, i gotta turn over here and be this person oh i gotta turn over here and be this person i am not a politician i would not be good at it all right we need to stop the politics talk because we've got more <laughs> important things to we talk do. about and that is movies so and we're talking about star trek which goes into the future of a world where and it's a theme in this movie, which I really appreciate, because Roddenberry's theme, uh, vision of the future is no conflict, except with outside entities that don't understand how to get along, basically. And that in the future, you, there would be no starvation, there would be no money, there would be no reason to have conflict, there's only reasons to survive and get better and explore the universe. And they actually address that in this movie. 
So to me, Star Trek symbolizes a lot. I mean, he's just a guy, wouldn't he? He just was writing about how we would like humanity to be. A futurist. Kind of, yeah. So it is the uh, weekend of Saturday, November the 12th, when you listen to this. And this is after the show number 453. It's not November the 12th. It would be the weekend of Saturday. I know, but it's not today. Today. I just said that. When you listen to this, it would be the weekend of Saturday, November the 12th. But it might not be. Or some other time in time after today. (laughs) So, Which is not November the 12th. (laughs) I thought I'd phrased it just right to not be corrected. But obviously not. It's not. I'm not correcting you, Jesus. It's just that it's not that, and it doesn't matter. I forgot. The Someone date might be it. listening to this in the year 2225. I like to catalog them with dates when we make them. You don't tell them what year it is. 2016. <laughs> yeah, the year Donald Trump became president. That was I guess also that's got <laughs> a good marker. So this is after the show number 453. We are a movie review podcast. This is our 453rd edition, and. The movie we're looking at this week is the Blu-ray release of Star Trek Beyond. It's a 2016 movie released on Blu-ray October the 25th. You can pick it up now. It's actually available on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and uh, digital copies. It's PG-13 from our friends at Paramount. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the movie Star Trek Beyond. Uh, it's Star Trek. <laughs> Beyond. <And> it's Beyond. <laughs> uh, hmm. I don't like to do synopsis because, especially of a movie I like. I'll do the synopsis. It's just, it's just highlighting an adventure on the five-year travels. We've already met the crew. We've met, if you've seen all the other movies, it's not really relevant as long as you're in the Star World world, Star Trek world. You will understand who everybody is. But we're on one of those missions where Kirk has to do like a weird little diplomatic thing. And some shit goes wrong because somebody wants something they shouldn't have to destroy something really big. And in the process, we have to get to know our characters a little bit better and examine, like I said, it delves into the idea that the Federation represents this like, oh, peace and nice and happy, happy. And the rest of the entire universe is not going to go for it. And in fact, sometimes the people closest to you might not go for it. True. So it is the third in the J.J. Abrams uh, bad robot version of Star Trek. And um, we've seen the other he two. He didn't direct it. No, but it's that series of films. Not you know, It's a new series of films. I, I would hate to call it reboot because it's not really. No. It's, a, it's just more Star Trek. So um, we saw the other two. I disliked both of them. I, I thought the second one was worse than the first. And I didn't really like either of them. Uh, I have to say, I am a Star Wars fan. Star Trek, I actually like as well, but I've never been, like, really fully but into what, it. what, which slice of it? Uh, I like the original one with Kirk, uh, you know, the uh, 66 series. I know. That has always been my favourite Star Trek, because I watched it as a kid, over and over again, it was always on TV, so I am familiar with that, and that's about where my f- familiarness is. Uh, I know but these... if you were to watch the entirety of it... I don't I'm know if I would you. like it. It is because I've watched all of it, except for I have not. I can admit I've not seen all of the movies. I think um, I've seen all the movies. I haven't, but not the shows. So I did watch the movies on TV as they came along. I need to look on a timeline and see when you're supposed to watch everything in order because I will start. I have everything. I have Enterprise, 
Star Trek, the original series, Next Generation. I have, what's the next one after that? I always forget which one's which. Deep Space Nine I wish and there was Voyager. That, I wish there was oh, that in the animated Star series. Wars. <laughs> well, there isn't. Um, and there's a new Star Wars, Trek TV show coming on The thing about Star Wars is it's very, it's very insulated. It's very singular. You have one group of characters who truly drive this idea of uh, a dictator ruling the entire universe, <clears throat> topical, and for the power and the glory of it, versus the little band of rebels. And no, mo- no matter who you turn that rebel into, if it's Skywalker or Skywalker's whatever, or it's, you know, whoever it is, it's still the same story all the way, always. It's always going to be the Empire versus, dark. versus, yeah. Now in Star Trek, it's constantly... It's science. It's, it's more... It's that constant examination of all of our choices as humans. And the, you know, how does that translate into, like, meeting now, species that, and from another part of the galaxy that would... Don't even have a concept of not eating their children. Like, why well, not? I what, have 50 children. I'm going to eat three of them. What some people say about these new movies are uh, that they've gone away from that. The Gene Roddenberry, you know, thoughtful stuff and go more into action movies, which I don't disagree with fully because they are very... Act- In fact, on the cover, the, the the things at the bottom says the best action movie of the year. They're full of action. But it's injected that that theme, though. There is a little bit, but it's most it's a lot of action. See, to me, it's um, mostly that idea. And it's the action is... Um, it, it fades away for me really quickly because I don't really care about the big action sequences that much. And there's a lot. It's fun. This. But it's really, it just makes the time go really quick, and then I want to get back to where we're going with this idea. Why is this bad guy the bad guy? And in this one, I am satisfied, because I get the background and the actual deeper story. Action, now, I could do without. Now, what I have to say about Star Trek Beyond, without being a huge Star Trek fan, but still enjoying it on occasion, um, and disliking those other two J.J. Abrams films, not because of the lens flares, I just thought they were weak. I thought the I thought they were just, they just felt kind of hokey and a bit too up their own ass. Like, like I'm trying too hard to make Star Trek fans excited about something new. And we talked about that because you said you like his Star Wars. Yeah. And he's a fan of both, always lo- has yeah, been. Yeah, but that's the thing. when you're not as deep a fan as of one as I the other, then he, want, he can twist and turn the Star Trek world a little bit. To fit what he would like more. And he also knows this because in an interview on this Blu-ray, he <laughs> says, when it came time to make Star Trek Beyond, I wanted to hand the keys to a new director. And when I was looking for a new director, I wanted somebody who knows Star Trek in and out. And I, I think that was him saying, I don't necessarily know it. I'm relying on other people a lot. I, I really like, like somebody who loves it. He's like you. He focuses more on action and shit, and that's why Star Wars draws him, because Star Wars is more about the big set pieces and yeah. the blowing up a big fucking thing and all that. Where Star Trek could be an episode where you are truly inside of one ship the entire time. Nothing major happens. Maybe somebody melts a face off or somebody eats something weird and they turn into a plant. But <laughs> you don't get the big giant... Action, you know why? Because it was a TV show. Yeah, they only had a budget of a certain thing. And even the big ones that have good uh, budgets later on, you still have have to exhaust that at some point. And some episodes are just about the people and about the story. And um, I think he is a little more superficial. 
kind of like you, in which he wants the big... Well, I also think J.J. Abrams is like a Spielberg person or a George Lucas. Like, I like big, huge space battles, and, and that shows in those other two movies of Star Trek he made. Why I thought those felt weak was... They didn't feel like much to them. It just felt like there was big space. They, they wanted as much special effects as possible. It to be really flashy all the time. Yeah, that, it's all flash and substance. Yeah, and yes, I know the Star Trek characters. You know, I know who Spock is, I know who Kirk is. But I didn't feel anything between them. Now, jump to this third movie, Star Trek Beyond, which I believe, as a non-Star Trek fan person, is the best of the three. And I feel... I felt it from the beginning of the movie. There's something different about this. It feels different than those other two. Like, it doesn't even feel even slightly like them. <laughs> um, it starts... The way this movie is structured, you know, it starts with this big... Like, they're on this five-year mission. It's cool. You're seeing the Enterprise again. You you realise, oh, how fantastic the Enterprise is and how big it is. And it's like, almost like a city that's f- floating through space. And then something occurs that <laughs> takes the Enterprise out of the situation and um, it's very it stimulating. The, yeah, and brings it back down, brings Star Trek back down to the people and getting to know the people and the people trying to get out of a situation using science and using the wits and the cunning. And that to me felt more like original Star Trek that I know. You know when they get stranded on a planet and they're, they're in danger mm-hmm. and the whole thing, you know, and there's a story unraveling on that planet that you're getting to know, and there's a big bad guy. It all felt like that to me. Like, we'd got back to the heart of what Star Trek is. And yes, the first 30 minutes is this big, grand, spectacular special effect sequence, basically. But it's gutting. Yeah, that's to, per- like, to a yeah. person who's like, I mean, we all know that it can be revived. However, when you're watching it, you're just like, it's when like. It, when they you're... clip the wings and like it. Like but it, if you've and... lived it. You've lived it. If you've watched it all, and you feel attached, you and you, if you go there in your mind with the science fiction idea of the future, where a whole, whole population of people could live on a spaceship for generations, even there is a generation ship even in Star Trek at one point, next generation, and that's all it does. It's just out in space, and you think about that, and then you get attached to the little dramas and the little soap opera between the people, and then the, the. The per- the ship has a personality. If you've watched it all, it has had different voices. It's had different weird things happen to its personality. You know, the computer gets overwritten, and so you're kind of attached to you it. You don't really get this in the these movies. No, what I'm saying, though, seeing this dismantled a little... You're just, like, you're trying to reach out, like, oh, God. And then you're like, okay, now, get your guts together, people, because you're going to have to really fight this time. And I love that. And unlike the last movie, Into Darkness, which had the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, baddie, that was so uneventful. It, was, it, <laughs> I, it almost breezed past me. You know, having a fight on top of something. It's my <laughs> pet peeve of movies anyway. <laughs> that happened in that movie. And it was just... It was so uneventful. There was a, there was supposed you know supposed to be a big twist in that movie about Benedict Cumberbatch's identity and all that. It was really lost on me and I just didn't really care. And that whole thing just breezed past... This one... It has a baddie that was interesting, I thought. Mm -hmm. His motivation is really interesting when you find out what that is. And it's an actual Star Trek story. It's a story about, like, how people, uh, and people in situations where there's different races and they're in space and it's not all like we know it, how they cope with things. And 
that I think that's why this is better. I don't know if, you know, Justin Lin is an action director, so it does show there's a lot of action in this movie. But I think he understands Star Trek. And I said to you, now let's keep this with Justin Lin. Let's JJ Abrams don't go back to this. Yeah. You stay with Star Wars. Even he's not staying with Star Wars though, is he either? I don't know what he's doing now. He's moved, Star Wars has been passed on to other people. Um but Justin Lin seems a good fit for this. I was just reading some, you know, from fans comments on message boards of fans of Star Trek who are like Star Trek is not about riding motorbikes and loud Beastie Boys music. That is the worst. It, it, it's they're turning it into the Fast and the Furious. But I don't hundred percent agree with that because I believe it's got both sides. It's got the action and the crazy set pieces, and it's also got good character interaction between the people you know. Yeah, and Star Trek is always there's always been weirdness. I mean, there's always been plugins of the 20th century. Always, right. always, always. So that makes from, sense. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit over the top and indulgent, obviously, to make it a but little more But it's really fun as a movie watcher. It's too. semi-fun, except it looked like shit. That one part where he's riding up with her on the bike with him, that looked really bad. I yeah, was like, oh my god, oh my god. But, as a as a plan, knowing the... I don't know how he knew about her tool, because he never saw her use it, but somehow... Kirk There's some that we out. didn't see, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some that we didn't. Some conversation we didn't see. But um, I don't have a problem with that at all. I have no. In fact, I don't have. I can't dissect it enough to find a thing that I would take out at all. Um, except for that one thing that I think it will make the next movie be the plot or part of the next movie. Yeah, I'm trying not <laughs> to spoil this one because it is quite a good. Uh, yeah. I think it's a. I think it works really well, even for somebody who doesn't know Star Trek well. There was. All, I knew. I could tell there was parts of this movie where you're supposed to know what that is, but it didn't bother me. I, I did feel it. Like, oh yeah, that's that's the. Nodding. I didn't even know what some of those references no, were. No, and that's so. them nodding at something to some really Star Trek geek who knows. I don't think you have to be a geek, but yeah, if you watch it a few times, who knows everything? Like, he knows everything. Like, uh, it might be a with these. The name of something or this plate that they look at on the thing. Not necessarily, because those are big things. But when I watch it, I don't necessarily notice every single detail. This creatures. Or some things are a throwaway in a line of one episode. But the episode's about that. So, like, if that ship that they find is is from an episode and the whole episode was about it, well, that's not a super geeky detail. But I might might forget the name of it, so. I did, like, uh, there's a... Because they're out on their five-year mission and they're not near Earth, they find this... Well, there's a place, like they said in the extras, that substitutes for Earth, kind of, in this story. Because it's something you should care about, because it's cool, right? I mean, it's a place where lots of people live. But that place was really well-realized, I thought. amazing. Amazing to look at. It's like, um... It's a a man-made planet, like, uh, well... Amazing. And it... There's a scene... The scene where they arrive at it they arrive at this planet that is... It reminded me a little bit of um, Inception with, like, uh, buildings upside down and ones on the side. And, like, gravity doesn't seem to apply fully to the whole place. <laughs> no. And you transport between them using, like, you know, beam me up, Scotty kind of things. And there's a scene where the Enterprise is coming into it and they're just coming into town, like... And they're going underneath the, oh, the yeah. structures and you can... And it's looking from above... And you can see it through the water and the glass. It's just, it, it's, I was like, wow, whoever thought of that whole thing and visualized it, it's amazing. It's one of the best sci-fi things I've, I've seen, like, 
it just looks like, oh yeah, that is some futuristic thing that we won't think of. Definitely, it looked gorgeous. That is there. So there is some amazing visuals in it, and there's some bad visuals. There's a bit with a motorbike mm-hmm. that looks so green screeny, it's not very good. But the concept of what is happening is good enough to make you forget it. Like so. <laughs> so um, what? In general, with the movie itself, did you like it? Did you like? Uh, there's another thing I wanted to mention. They, uh, Anton Yelchin died during this movie, or just after this movie, and Leonard Nimoy also died during this movie. Not that he's in this movie, but and they do some little subtle. It doesn't. They don't die in the movie. They die. The, they died in real life. The so real life people like, died. Like yeah. the Fast and the Furious, where Paul yeah. Walker died in real life. And they do little tributes to them yeah. inside the movie. I thought they were really well done. Kind of really touching. It's like, oh shit. Like, uh, the bit that. The Spock one didn't make any sense, but it was nice. No, it doesn't, but it's nice. It doesn't make it. Like, the, in Fast and the Furious with Paul Walker, it actually made sense, and I thought that was really well done. But that one doesn't. But the one where they just. Uh, Bones and Kirk are just. They're drinking some of Chekhov's, Chekhov's yeah. booze. And they they do another glass. They do three glasses of it and both chink the other glass. I thought that was like a very cool. Um, yeah. He isn't dead in the in the movie. Yeah. But they chink the glasses and say absent friends. That was cool. I like that. I thought uh, you know I do like when there's a nod to the outside. They movie. weren't actually talking about him though in the movie. They were talking about Kirk's dad. They weren't, but you could tell it <laughs> yeah. was a it was a clever. Somebody at the writers thing was like, no, we need to, you know. Yeah. Um, so I like that stuff. Tribute to the fan. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's a bit with, there's a bit which is a tribute to Leonard Nimoy where you see a photograph of the original Starship Enterprise cast. Yeah. Which doesn't like, make what? any sense, but it feels good when you see it. You just have to turn, you have to go, okay. <laughs> That's just for the fans. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. So, uh, what did you think overall of the, um, movie? Like, did, did you, is it in comparison to the other two? Do you like it? I told you. I could pretend the other ones don't even exist because, first of all, the first one, I can't even... When they showed a little clip and that little bit of that fucking glare happened over in the corner, I was like, nope, nope, nope. Even when I think I might want to watch it again, I refuse. It's just... It'd be like if you watched a Star Wars movie and constantly had this sound. Is that the lightsaber? No, it's just an annoying fucking is that, sound. Is that a 56K modem? Do, this is my point. It has nothing to do with the movie, and it would drive you insane, and you would say to the people who made it, you know you can take that sound out, right? Because it's a digital freaking movie. And they say, oh no, we can't, because the final now, movie is, that's all we've got, which is bullshit. Now that lens flare didn't bother me as much, but Ugh. I just felt the movies, the first movie especially, was really not up to much. The second movie I liked a little bit better. You know what I really like about the second movie? That beginning opening scene. It's like the best part of the whole movie. On that white planet. When the when the Enterprise comes over that cliff. And they're running away. Yeah. The, and it's a really striking looking, like, oh wow, that's a Star Trek thing. That's like a, like what you see in this movie, that cool place. It's like that. Oh, there's an alien thing that we've never seen before. Yeah. That's how that felt to me. Um, and that immediately made that second movie better. But yeah, that second movie was definitely a turnaround. They tried to make it better. But this third one, it beats both of them, hands down, I think. Absolutely. It's, this is the direction it should take. It's a bit of everything. And uh, I, I cared for the characters. So uh, talking about the characters, Chris Pine returns as James T. Kirk. Do you think he's better, uh, grown into this? Do you yeah, he's better like this him? time. 
for he's, sure. He's not a great actor. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to say, charming. He fits in. He fits to me in 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 like action movies or like he's in Wonder Woman coming up, something like that. But he's very actorly to me. He's also very like it's not high quality to me. <laughs> right? Okay, I'll I'll compare him to somebody. Um, Bruce Campbell. Now, Bruce Campbell, he plays different roles. But I don't think he's great, but he kind of fits into what he does. Like He makes whatever he does work. And don't forget to tell them he's one of your favorites. Yeah, I mean, he's really fun to watch, but I wouldn't say, oh, what a fantastic actor, you know? And Chris Pye's the same. Like, he seems to pick the right roles to not... I don't know, I've never really seen him in anything super serious. Um, But... I don't even know if he fits James T. Kirk properly for me. I think he seems a bit too young, but I know they play. he's supposed to be young, but he doesn't seem to... I don't know. Sometimes he seems a bit like a bumbling fool, but did did Shatner really, I guess? No, Shatner was too proud. I mean, the way he plays the guy, it's like as if he is, you know... There's um, a lot of Chris He's Pine. very pumped up. I'm the captain... I'm the strong one. And then the times when he does fall apart, those are the times you go, whoa, something's really wrong with Kirk. So he doesn't you know, like, much. You know, like you think the captain's got his shit together and he's going to solve everything. Yep. There's a lot of Chris Pine where you can tell he gives the impression he's got his shit together, but when moments are happening, he... Um, That's how Kirk was He as has well. no idea what's Kirk going on. Kirk has always he's been that way. He's hoping it's going to go right. Because he has a lot of struggles with... I'm the captain responsible for all these people. What is the point? Right. He has that a lot, and I'm supposed to be the strong one. I mean, it's a lot of macho bullshit a lot of times, but it's it's a threat. Well, that's kind sure. of what I feel from Chris Pine, so maybe he studied Shatner and tried to uh, <laughs> bring that up. I don't know. But he's not a great actor, but I am starting to buy him as, T- as James T. Kirk. Um, nice. So uh, Zachary Quinto plays Spock. What do you think? Of good. Oh, well, yeah. it's good. He wasn't going to come back for the fourth one, I was just reading, but now he's changed his mind, so um, it would be a shame for them not to have him as Spock, because I... Yeah, you should, if you're going to do it, if you're going to lose any of the main people of yeah. any franchise when you've done three movies, just either kill them off for real, have them do some sort of uh, morph, like a Doctor Who kind of a trick, or start over. Yeah. But yeah, I think he is a good Spock. I like his... Demeanor. It's the perfect demeanor for Spock. It's very scientific and very thoughtful, and he's not like, he's never going to get stressed out or he just is logical, right? That's what he is. Correct. Uh, Carl Urban plays Bones. What do you think of uh, him? I think they've all kind of. He's got got a little bit better, but he has moments of being too much bonesy. He has moments of (laughs) of Chris Pine. He's a similar type of actor, I think. He's an action kind of guy who's not like super. Not playing the action part. Yeah, he's not super great at delivering dialogue always. It seems a bit, hey, hey you know? Yeah, I get like, it, yep. Yeah. Um, like, like, it seems a bit Bruce Campbell. That's that's what I'm getting at. Bruce Campbell likes to nod and a wink, doesn't he? He's that kind of guy. That's sometimes how I feel. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Ahura is still played by Zoe Saldana. I really like her. She doesn't get much screen time, really, in this movie. Not as yeah. much as she did in the others. Um, the love, the love uh, thing between her and Spock is off. <laughs> it seems this time maybe off and on a bit. I don't think so. Well, at the beginning, you know, I think it's just a thing. Off at the beginning and then back yeah. on. Uh, but they don't. She, she really isn't a massive part of it. 
Simon Pegg is a massive part of this movie. He plays Scotty. Terrible, terrible, terrible Scottish accent. <laughs> but I think that's part of the whole joke of Scotty in this. I think that's, they just went for it. Like, uh, talking of Simon Pegg, he actually co-wrote this whole movie. So there is a lot of humour in this movie that you can tell is coming from Simon Pegg. Because so if you don't like that smart assy Shaun of the Dead, um, you know. No, I like Shaun of the Dead, so it's not fair to say that, that, that if you don't like though. the whole movie, because I like the whole movie. But I don't like a lot of the up my own ass because I'm making a reference that isn't that so clever of Which me. is how Simon Pegg became famous, is he did a, a Channel 4 show called Spaced, which was a sitcom about some dudes who lived in a house that reference literally every geek thing you can think of. Star right. Wars, Star Trek. And it's it, and it made jokes of all of it. That's how Simon Pegg became famous. So whenever he writes anything, it's always from that point of view. All those movies, Shaun of the Dead, they all come from that place. It's like, oh, we know this, we know that. Let's make fun of it. Paul was another one we saw. True. Um, and he does it here too. He tries to rein it in, I think, but there's a lot of where you're going, oh, I was going, ah, oh, it's a bit much. You you should leave that at home for a Star Trek movie. It's not really, you know, I understand that you want this Scotty character to be funny. Yeah, did you like his we, accent? No, his accent is awful. That's what <laughs> I just said. It's terrible. It's the, But, I, like I say, I think that is part of the joke, that he's got this shitty accent. But it, you know. I like Simon Pegg, though, and I think he adds something to this with his knowledge and all that, but he just needs to tone it down slightly. John Cho plays Sulu. What do you think of him? He's very good. He's solid and he's determined, and I like that he's... You get the feeling he knows more than his where he's been positioned. I do like yeah. when uh, the captain says, you can fly this, can't you? And he's are you like, kidding? Yeah, like... <laughs> you are kidding. Why are you even asking me that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, the best pilot around. I have around. an entire past that yeah. you know nothing about. Yeah, I liked him. Um, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace, plays Chekhov again. Also, let me just say, um, rest in peace, Mr. Yelchin. Chekhov's accent is awful, too. <laughs> it is... The worst, it's it's the um, stereotype Russian accent. It's crappy. It's like, it's as bad as the Scottish accent from Sam <laughs> Did you start by saying, all due respect? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's terrible, lags. The, uh, but, what are they going to do now? Like, where's Chekhov gone now? Like, they, they have to recast him, It's easy him, enough to kill him. I they mean, you can say him. he died or left. Yeah, but he's so... Well, he's, that one woman's gone. I'll be honest, he, he's not really that pivotal he's in this movie. He's integral, though, isn't he? No, not at all. To these movies. No, not in this one at all. He's Unless you're just to attached have... to the idea of it. But no, he they don't make him enough of a character to make him important enough unless you just are hung up on him. And he's the reason you watch the movies. But unfortunately, they don't give him a big part. He's just there to be the kind of frantic, you know, engineer guy. The young kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I, I do I do like him, but it would be interesting to see whether they just recast him because they do need a Chekhov and they don't... Or do they just say Chekhov died in a mission and that's yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've, Idris Elba plays Crawl in this movie. Um, what do you think of him? Oh, he's always... What's he got? What does Keith Lemon call him? Injured elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. I mean, he's intense and he's pissed off and he's maniacal. And 
even when you get him as himself, he hangs in there with this sort of like broken. I liked him as a bad guy. Yeah. I thought it, I, it's it's an actually an interesting the two. Well, oh, we're not spoiling anything. The two guys who wrote, you know, uh, Simon Pegg and that the other guy, the writer, they actually came up with a decent story behind a bad yes, guy. Yes, I agree. Which sometimes there isn't a decent story behind a bad guy. Is it's just a guy to throw off something at the end. Correct. Uh, and then finally, I didn't write it down, but I do have her name here. She's called Sophia Butella, and she plays Jayla, and she's the my favorite thing about the whole movie. She's uh, the lady from Kingsman, the Secret Service. You will remember she has no legs in it, and she has those um, what do you call she them? She actually has legs, but in the movie she does. Yeah, in the not. movie she in Kingsman, she does a really cool fight at the end of Kingsman with uh, Mr. Samuel. No. <laughs> no. With with the the guy who plays the hero in it. Yeah. She's just a cool character in that movie, and she's a really cool character in this movie. Um, I love her makeup. I like her attitude, like the attitude that she has. Um, you know, at first you're like, is this a bad guy or what? Like, But she's more... I like her. I, I believe she's going to be part of this whole thing in the future. I hope uh, so. I think she's really good. And, they, you know, they're going to integrate her into this because... She's a cool... She obviously looks really cool. You'll see her on the cover of this Blu-ray. Um, but I want to know a backstory. I want to know about her. Because she is worth, you know, exploring. I agree. And you do need... And she's skillful. She's got skills. An alien... You know, there's lots of aliens on board the Starship Enterprise. And <laughs> she is an interesting one to have on there. Because she's got an interesting personality. She's slightly naive, but she can protect herself... She's very good at engineering. I like all that stuff, because that is Star Trek stuff. Uh, This is directed by Justin Lin, who you will know from directing Fast and the Furious. He's done a couple of them. He did Tokyo Drift, one of my favourite ones. One of your favourite ones. Yes, my favourite one. He did Anopolis with uh, Mr. James Franco, which was actually quite a cool movie about the Navy, which we saw. And he's done uh, several episodes of True Detective on on HBO. series. The uh, second series, actually. The one that wasn't as good, but the episodes he did were actually the best ones. Um, Nice of you to say. Yeah. So, Justin Lin, people, uh, like, give him shit that he's, like, this action director and that's what he is. It works in this movie because it needs a lot. It it has action, doesn't it? Big. But the character moments in this movie are as good as the action. That's what makes this better than the other ones. And I think I Justin Lin, he's got an eye. I mean, geez, that this movie looks a million dollars. It looks more than a million dollars because it costs nearly two million. But, <laughs> two million? I mean, tw- 200 million. I was going to say, that's a really cheap movie. But yeah, that would have been a good statue. That is movie. a good deal. But yeah, this uh, this movie looks... I mean, there, the space scenes at the beginning, the... What's it called, the big place in the ball? Yorktown. Yorktown. That is incredible. One of the best things I've seen in a sci-fi movie. Amazing. Um, the planet itself that they're on with the motorbike, it's just all pretty awesome looking. Um, and it feels Star Trek. You know the part where they fly in the ship down? And yeah. Pulling up? Yeah. That was all awesome. That was really good. Yeah. it's it, It's got the hallmarks of an action director, but then the parts that are just them talking inside, it, it's good too. So I think he's a good choice. I would keep him on. Uh, this is definitely... A step in the right direction for Star Trek. <laughs> I'm sure they'll take that on board. Yeah. So extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a few actually. Uh, there are deleted scenes, which are quite cool. 
There's Beyond the Darkness, the story origins, um, Enterprise takedown, destroying an icon. That That's kind of a spoiler. Trekking in the desert on location in Dubai to live long and prosper 50 years of Star Trek. There's a For Leonard and Anton memorial thing. And there is uh, also a gag reel, which is actually very funny. The gag reel on this is worth watching. You know what I mean? It's very cute. I usually turn gag reels on just because like, I subject myself to them because they're awful. But this one was actually funny because the amount of lines, the kind of flub, and then it turns into that, I can't do any more lines anymore. I'm just going to laugh every time you say something. There's enough of that in this movie that it find, I found it funny. Lots of extras. Um, and really well done extras on this Blu-ray. They're not like those shitty, we're trying to sell the movie extras. It's like, no, this is how we're going to make... The one that I liked the best was the one where they show you, because it's 50 years of Star Trek, they made 50 new alien species. Yes, that's to like go one on of my the... favourite things. Cause, and, I mean, and it's not CG. It's like Star Wars, the new Star Wars. Latex masks masks. Costumes, yeah. it's great. And it really makes a difference. When you see them all on the screen, they don't look hokey like weird... George Lucas creatures wandering past that don't move properly. They're real people with masks on, so it looks really good. Um, so yeah, good extras. Actually, a good movie. That's my review for this movie. You should. <laughs> I'm not a Star Trek fan. I'm really a Star Wars fan at heart, and I really enjoyed this Star Trek movie. So, Ta-da. and you are a Star Trek fan, and I really enjoyed the Star Trek movie. And. Genuinely we both ran. did not enjoy the other two. So. It made me think, okay, it's time to start. You know, once I start Watching my Star, Star Trek. Trek world, because I have it all from DVDs and Blu-rays, right? I have everything. That's a lot of hours of one's life. And once I start down that rabbit hole, or that black hole, we'll say, I don't come out for, what, two months? Because I will walk around with my tablet in my hand. I'll have the tablet laying in the car next to me. I'll have my tablet next to me at work. Don't, I will have listen, it. Listen, <laughs> listen. Don't drive and watch. <laughs> have to look though not you you can but these people well i mean i don't have to watch <laughs> right can, there's so many episodes just i've seen listen. so many times that i i have it in my head i already know what it looks like i can just listen just like i'm listening to music so but yeah those are the episodes i'll choose this really worked for me i really liked it and um i recommend it even if you're not a star trek fan i think you can get something out of it because i did um if you want to enter a contest and this is star trek related We've got um, a... This is a really special prize, actually. It's uh, If you like this movie, Star Trek Beyond, Mondo, the people who make the limited edition posters, they've made a very, very limited number of this poster for Star Trek Beyond, which is awesome. It's way better than this cover for the Blu-ray, which is the normal poster. It's like done in that art style. Just look up, look up online, Mondo, Star Trek Beyond poster. You'll see it. Well, we've got one to give away. They're super, super, super rare. You can't buy them. Uh, go and enter at aschoolie.com. I, I want one. They're that good. And you like it too. I mean, it's it's that, you know, it makes the cover art and the po- the theatrical poster look bad. But what doesn't these days? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can go and win a Star Trek Beyond Mondo poster, aschoolie.com slash contests. Go there and win. Uh, thanks to Paramount for this Blu-ray. And next week's Blu-ray review will be Pixar's new film, Finding Dory, which... Uh, it's been a long time in the making, hasn't it? Uh, a sequel to Finding Nemo. It's been ages. Yeah, but that's good. Yeah. Not too much. Uh, but yeah, I loved Finding Nemo. It looks amazing, that movie. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, movie recommendations. Mine are pretty basic and plain, but I wanted to recommend these movies. I always want to recommend these movies. Um, 
in about three weeks, there is a new Star Wars movie in the theatres. That's what I'm going to recommend, Star Wars Rogue One. I haven't seen it yet. I know I'll like it. <laughs> I've seen the trailer. That is enough for me. Star Trek. Star Wars. Star Trek. I've got it. Star Trek on the brain. Da, da, da. Star Wars Rogue One. Go and see that. Three weeks to go. And my other one is just the Alien movies. Um, another awesome where I feel like I'm in another universe of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're in space, you're not seeing all these planets and stuff, but it feels like you're not here. It feels like you're somewhere else. That's the idea. They really realise the world properly. So I, I'll, the alien movies. Mine is no reflection. I would reflection. add Prometheus to that too. Mine is no reflection whatsoever on reality and the perception of uh, people not uh, waking up to a truth that they just can't seem to accept. The Matrix. The first one. And the I others did, are fine. I but... did say the um, weird things in this movie. <laughs> they remind me of the things in it. Mine's in more like um, you're living in, an un- in a fake reality that you choose to live in because you don't want to deal with real reality. That's it. So The Matrix is good. The first one. I'm not a big, huge fan of the other two. I mean, I like the whole, the whole of it, but it got a little creepy to me. I'll recommend something on the back of The Matrix here. Something we've just watched and we should recommend to people. And that is Humans, season oh, yeah. two. Very good. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss has joined from The Matrix. Ta-da. And I think the story where it's going is really Westworld. interesting. Yeah, but um, Humans, but think about it. which people probably haven't... Yeah, it's like Westworld, yeah. <laughs> but it's very interesting, the story of Humans. I like how it's it's a lot smaller than Westworld. It's more of a uh, British kind of low-budget thing, but... They're definitely doing well. So that's Humans on Channel 4, I believe, in, in the Britain. I think it's on AMC here in America. So uh, that's our recommendations for this week. Games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing Titanfall 2 more. Um, been playing the campaign a lot. There is a level in the campaign that is just one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in a video game. And what the level is. About halfway through the story. Spoilers if you've not played Titanfall 2 yet. I'm not going to tell you the story of the game, just what happens, which is really cool. Um, you're you're a Titan pilot. You you, I mean, you're not at the beginning, but from some circumstances that occur, you end up. How these Titans, which are big robots in the Titanfall world, and the pilots who go inside the robots to pilot them, there's a symbiotic bond as they call it where you're joined to it with your mind so it has a personality and ai and it knows you and you can both work together as this combat machine well in this game you're traveling with your robot buddy you're inside him and you're walking along and you're trying to get to this place but halfway through the game you have to get out of him and be yourself, just wandering around, right. while he finds the exit, and you're wandering around. What happens at this point is, you find this thing on the floor that's like a, a wristband thing. You put this wristband on, and when you press the button on the wristband, it tra- transports you in time, time travel. So you're in the level, and the whole level's destroyed. It's like a, this uh, big um, facility where they were making robots. And it's all destroyed. It's on fire. Everything's fallen out. All the glass. It's a cool building. It's all destroyed. You're wandering around. And you can press your button on, on your wrist and transport yourself in time to when it was not destroyed. And you see the story of it taking place. And you can flick this button whenever you want. So it goes and just changes from destroyed to not destroyed. And when you turn to not destroyed, 
they don't know you're there. It's kind of this weird... But you can see what was happening. You can listen to conversations. And then you can switch it to when it's destroyed. And the way the combat works is, in the non-destroyed version, when they do detect you, there's guards that come and attack you that you have to kill. But when you when they're all coming to kill you, you can switch to the other time when it's all on fire and breaking down. And what is in that time version is dinosaurs and stuff because uh, it's on an alien it's on an alien world. It's not Earth, and because it's all overgrown and on fire and broken down, all the creatures of the planet have kind of invested it. So you're switching between these two on the fly immediately. There's no like pause between it. You can do it whenever you want. And you flick it between this like pristine-looking office building and this messed-up dinosaur world, and you can do it whenever you want. And it's it's so awesome. Like I've never seen anything do it because <laughs> it has to have two levels. Like because it's immediate. You you it's pristine. It's not. It's pristine. It's not. You're in the fiery version, and five dinosaurs are diving at you, and you can't kill them. And you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna die. Press it. You, all of a sudden, you're in the office buildings. You're fine. You can move on. Right. A bit, you know? So it's. It's just a cool concept. Like uh, I've never, I actually never seen it done in a game. And I think the reason I've never seen it done is technically, it's probably really hard to do. I bet you need a lot of memory and all that to fit two levels into memory at once, without any loading time mm. between it. I think we've caught up to where we can do that. It's just an awesome way of telling the story because in the part where you're just in the office building, you can see people going about the business and talking to each other, and you pick up on conversations as what's happening. And in the messed up version of it, there's cool combat and puzzles to solve. So yeah, the Titanfall 2 campaign is really awesome. Um, you should all play it. The other game that comes out next week is Watch Dogs 2. I'll talk about that next week, but I loved Watch Dogs. I 100%ed that game. Like, everything. I mean, it took me about 100 hours to do it all. That's how much I liked it. So When you say do it all. Like, Explain. I got every trophy... I collected every single thing in the game. I did everything. There's nothing more I can do in Watch Dogs 1. In fact, I was tempted to play it all again, but it's hard that when you've done it all once. That's why I hesitate to start Star yeah. Trek. Because yeah. you don't you don't you won't stop for a week. No. And you won't you just stop keep for a going day. Collecting stuff every and... minute of your day. As soon as you wake up, you'll be like, I'll get through my little routine and I'm gonna play a little yeah. bit. And then after I do my running, I'm gonna play for a little bit. And after we watch TV, I'm gonna play for a little bit. It's like on your mind. So Watch Dogs... If only I could find something productive and good for society that I get that obsessed with. So Watch Dogs 2 comes out next week, the sequel to the first game, which was awesome. Uh, it's a lot different, this one. It's very much... From what I can tell from the trailers and all the um, reviews and stuff coming out, is it's a lot like GTA, but with loads of hacking in it, which is awesome. So that's Watch Dogs 2. comes out on Tuesday, I believe, next week. I will talk about it then. Um... The way I got Watch Dogs 2 is an interesting um, story in itself. Please tell us. No Man's Sky came out earlier in the year. I purchased it off the PlayStation Store. It turned out to be Not less than optimal. Less than satisfactory. I asked for a refund. They gave me a refund. and I, it, They didn't actually give me money back. They gave me PSN credit. And I applied the PSN credit to Watch Dogs 2 because I knew that that might be a game I'd like. So that's how I got that. <laughs> so Two games for the price of one. So I did play a lot of uh, No Man's Sky and before I realised, hmm, I don't think I'll be playing this ever again. So yeah, two games for the price of one. Um, Sven Gulli this week. Uh, you probably won't be seeing it this week because you'll be away. But 
What is Svengoolie? Svengoolie is a horror host. He dresses up in funny costume and then he does tell bad jokes. And this week's, the one we just... Ghost of Frankenstein. Watched. The one we just watched. Duel. Duel. By Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Was. What did you think? Because you'd never seen it. It was good. It was... Okay, I love I love you and you're a man and I've loved other men in my life and I love the boys who will become men who are in my life, like my nephews and children of my friends and whatnot. However this is a big however. Men are fucking weird. Like, what is the deal? Why do you give it why do you get your rocks off watching vehicles drive around? There's nothing natural about them. They're not part of nature. They're not like Incredibly fascinating. There, it's a dude in a vehicle, a dude in a truck, and a dude in a car. And now the conflict that this guy is going through internally is what's interesting. And then on top of that, we have this psychopath in a big rigged truck who's trying to run him down, basically. And so his internal battle has been going on before we met him, obviously, because he's falling apart a little bit, and will probably continue even after big confrontation. Oh, I think so. Even after the duel, so. You know, you can name other movies where it's really just about watching a car drive around. Vanishing Point. And there's that other one. I don't know the name of it. There are the, others. The car. Well, there's like Death Race, and I mean, there's car. The movie's about cars. Mad Max. That's just about Mad Max. <laughs> is it about cars? Fury Road's pretty much about a lot of cars driving. It's not about that, but they are featured. This one is about a guy in a car. But it's about him. Vanishing Point is about a bullet. I think Duel, it's Steven Spielberg. He made it back in the day. TV movie. Yeah. And I think he's he's highly intellectual. And he wanted to explore one of the different ways of telling a story. And to put it on its head, it's not necessarily man versus machine. Or man versus nature. Or man versus himself. Which are some of the premises of all stories ever written by all humans. But it's kind of like he's trying to crack them apart and stick them all in a different configuration. It's very well made. It's well made. It looks really amazing. Yeah. If you think about how big those cameras must have been to I hook know. them on the side of and a freaking car. There's lots of POV stuff. And, and it's, it is. it looks amazing. And you are along for the ride. So there are moments when you're like, yike. I mean, you are. The way he gets it pulled up around in front of this big, huge It was clear that, that he was talented. Yeah. After If you... He was new to directing. I mean, I'll be honest, it's a little boring. So I don't know that I would think, oh, Steven Spielberg is going to be a genius fucking filmmaker. Not to me. I I know it's not to you, but I'm saying it doesn't... Just because you think it looks good doesn't mean other people would have picked up on him becoming Steven Spielberg. Because I would have been like... Steve Spielberg. I would have been like, eh, I mean, it's all right. It's interesting. But having known of Steven Spielberg now for 40 years, that adds to it. And if you're just watching it then, it should, you won't have that. So so uh, this week's uh, Sven Gulli movie is uh, The Ghost of Frankenstein starring uh, <laughs> that guy again. Lon Chaney Jr. He's in almost all movies from back then. <laughs> he He's was... in a lot of movies. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, he was on contract, I guess. But... And he is so bad. <sighs> he has his moments, be fair. Very he's, rare. He's had a couple he times. He stares off into good. space like he's on the stage. Yeah, he's looking at the audience or something. Well, he even said he doesn't like remembering dialogue. Well, he'd said in the past, and that's why. As soon um, as he does that, he loses me. That I'm one like, movie, oh, the Pillow of Death, where it's yeah. all a voice in his head. It was because he said there was too much dialogue for him to remember on screen, so, so they, they it, turned it into it. a voice. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just a voice in his head. So. I've heard that Tom Cruise does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, what is for dinner tonight, Sitar? Rice. Is it just rice? I made some rice. Rice on a plate? Rice on a plate. Uh, The rice has some vegetables and some spices. So, uh, flavorings and some chicken, well, quarn, Q-U-O-R-N. It's not really chicken. Um, we don't eat meat, so it's, uh, meat. It's soy stuff. Uh, this isn't soy, no. This no, is made out of the mushroom protein. Yeah, so, that's right. And it's really good. I mean, a really good. So it's kind of like a big, um, kind of like a rice aroni, but without the rice aroni. Is it a celebration of white food? In fact, the nine-year-old daughter of one of my very good friends, um, they don't particularly eat a lot of rice. The husband, who's also my friend, who went to high school with, doesn't really like rice, so my friend doesn't make it a lot. And I made it, and the little nine-year-old daughter, who's extremely feisty, is eating it. She goes, and then... And she's kind of hypersensitive, and she's kind of tuned in. She's a little adult, you know? She's eating it. She goes, tastes a lot like rice aroni. And she looked at me like, she goes, I love rice aroni. Don't you worry. I love rice aroni. <laughs> she, I think she thought in the instant that she said it, I would be like, oh, my right. my homemade rice tastes so like, like some convenience <laughs> I'm like, food hey, food. I love rice aroni too. That's probably why I make it like this. All right. And uh, what's your advice before we leave? Watch Star Trek. <laughs> uh, no, it's not for everybody. My advice is advice that I was given many years ago by my grandfather. Excuse me. <sighs> I'm so tired. We didn't even mention what we did on my birthday. Well, we what? rode on our bikes 41 miles in one trip. It was we amazing. Did. We'll talk about it next week more. But We, we rode 41 miles and we saw a man hand carving a canoe out of a tree. Correct. And we saw some other cool stuff, and it rained on us a little bit, and it smelled really bad sometimes, and my butt got really sore, and my crotch got really sore, and my knees got really sore, but... Too much information. It was amazing, <laughs> amazing trip. Um, aside from that, my grandfather told me a long time ago, just in a conversation, he said he'd always been a businessman. He owned a stockyards, and, you know, his the way he was looking back, he was dying of cancer at this time. So the way he was looking back was, you know, I spent a lot, and he's kind of a cowboyish type, so he swore a lot and he was kind of rough and he said you know I've spent a lot of my a lot of my time kissing a lot of ass and I wished I hadn't and just so you know just because they're gonna try they're all gonna try don't ever let the bastards get you down don't ever let it he goes I've sat in this chair in his chair that he had in his living room which we all were very attached to well he said I've sat in this chair not been able to sleep many nights thinking why the hell didn't I say to that guy Whatever I needed to say to that guy. But no, I didn't because I didn't want to lose the dollar and I didn't want to lose the deal. And I never should have done that. It's also a lyric from a U2 song. It is, but it was <laughs> after my grandpa. They might have written that before. But yeah, that's probably why that song's my favorite. Acrobat is the song. Uh, don't ever let the bastards get you down. Because, you know, it depends on your motivation in life. I'm not talking about if I'm a terrible, dangerous harmful person and I want to blow up somebody or kill a bunch of people to make a point and I don't want anybody to slow me down, that's different because that means I'm I'm the asshole, right? But if you're talking about in life, when you don't think like the people around you and you don't believe what they believe and you don't see the world the way they do and you don't want to make the same choices and wear the same clothes and if you can make it work in your life without taking away somebody else's options and choices in their lives or imp- you know imp- imposing on them, and you just want to live your life. But other people will constantly, and I mean constant, and this is without social media, without your Facebook, without your Twitter, without your cell phone, just in life, face-to-face, family, friends, coworkers, people at the store, people around you, people at the bar that you see every Friday night. They want 
they want to unplug, not all of them, you find the special people who don't, but most people want to pluck out of you the thing that they are not comfortable with, the thing that makes them feel weird, the thing that makes them feel like you are a question mark and I don't like question marks and I want you to be predictable and easy to figure out, therefore I want you to be like me, so stop being weird, stop being different. You need to believe in my God, you need to think what I think about politics, you need to have my favorite color, you need to root for my sports team, you need to like pizza because I like pizza, you need to eat meat because I eat meat. And that can wear you down when that's not you. You know, and sure. you just sitting there being the person, you know, I'm, a lot of these are examples of my own life. I don't believe in any gods. I don't eat any meat anymore. I don't like sports. Um, I definitely disagree with the politics of most people. However, I'm kind of the person who says, you know what? The universe is a big place. Whatever we do politically as our little tiny humans on this little tiny ball in this big, humongous, unimaginably giant universe, it actually doesn't matter. Except that in this moment, it matters that I don't just, like, lash out and start hurting everybody. But that if you want to believe that Donald Trump is going to be a fine president and you want to sit there and jack off to the idea of him letting you be racist or sexist or whatever it is you think you can be. I thought you were going to say jack off to Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, jack off to uh, that idea that you get off on the idea that now you don't have to be quote-unquote politically correct anymore because he's not. And that gives you permission. If that gets your rocks off, that's... It's unreasonable then to turn to the person next to you and decide they have to be like you. Just be you. And if I say, you know what, that's cool. You do your thing. You go over there. You know, live your little life. <laughs> it's fine. I don't have to be that person. I don't want to stop you. I don't want to change you. If you want to discuss it, we'll discuss it. But you are, in my perception, if you're trying to undo me, or redesign me, then you're one of the bastards who wants to get me down. You want to bring me down to where you are. And I'm not you. And the, the 70 to 80 years that I do have as me, this collection of molecules on this little rock, and eventually I'll be dust like everything else. It's not up to you who I am. You know, how long I, what I do for a living, how I do anything. Who I marry, how, what my job is, how I view anything. It's just not up to you. Like, it, you need to get over it. And as Elsa would say, let it go. <laughs> so that's my advice. Don't let the bastards get you down. All right. So um, join us next week for Finding Dory. And uh, I want to remind you about our website, sidtar.com, ascully.com. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Google Music Store, the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, it's actually called. The RSS feed, ascully.com slash podcast. You can subscribe or listen on the page. Email feedback to me at aschoolyacecoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And um, stay classy, Mr. Justin Lin. Did a better job than Mr. J.J. Abrams, actually. I agree. So uh, stay classy. And think for yourself or someone will do it for you, for you, for you. 